Hello and welcome to Month of Sundays, the podcast bringing you political commentary on entertainment media from the perpetual Sunday of Suburban on We. I'm Livy. I'm Ruben. And this week we're focusing on um, Spike Lee's film, Do the Right Thing, uh, his 1989 film. This is partly in the context of the protests that are happening in America this week and in solidarity with the protesters um, following the horrendous murder of George Floyd, which I'm sure you'll all be aware of at this stage. Um, and But we also wanted to do Spike Lee because he's releasing a new film next week. Um, and, the Five Bloods, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he's a really he's a really great filmmaker. We like a lot, a lot of his work. Um, and he, he uh, makes a lot of films about race in America, specifically... Um, but kind of marrying a really like political perspective to kind of telling stories of black Americans. And he's also really, really good on class as well and kind of marries those things in his in his yeah, storytelling. in a very clever and interesting way. Yeah. Obviously, it would feel, I think, um, really wrong not to be talking uh, and using our platform to talk about uh, these issues at this time uh, when these protests are going on. However, we would just like to do as a quick disclaimer, obviously, to start off this podcast um uh, neither of us are black so we're not kind of identifying specifically with this experience yeah i'm mixed race and Levy's white so we're just using this little window of time we have um to speak in solidarity rather than wanting to obscure anybody else's voice is basically what we're saying this is kind of just your little optional extra bit of months of sundays if you happen to be listening so we're going to be focusing on spike lee's film do the right thing probably his most famous film or the film that garnered the most critical acclaim when it came out came out one of his earliest films i think the second film that came out after his first film she's got a habit which is also great actually we also really both like a lot yeah Yeah. um it's about a boy it's about about three streets in brooklyn really and lots of different characters that live there and sort of all interact in different ways and the amazing thing about the film actually i think is the way all these different characters are really built up and interact in this really, yeah, great way. Like you watch these sort of modern TV, TV long sort of mini series or whatever. Sometimes they have, you know, about three characters with half as much depth as like Spike Lee manages to work into all these characters in about two hours in this film, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's ma- it's focused on a guy called Mookie, who's played by Spike Lee himself, in fact. Uh, who works in a pizzeria for some Italian-American, Sal. Uh, I think Sal's pizzeria makes an appearance in Inside Man as the oh, okay. as the pizzeria that the cops buy some pizza from halfway through the film. Inside Man being another Spike Lee film. Inside Man is, a heist yeah, film. A heist, yeah, 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 a heist film with Jodie Foster in it and some other, some, some other people. Or is it really good? Also very really different good. film, but a also very, go, very go, go and check it out. An interesting yeah. film because it's sort of... Spike Lee's films are usually very upfront about what they're what they're about their politics and stuff, and this is really a, like quite a straight heist film with interesting class and race sort of dynamics in the background of it. I think Inside Man is that Inside is. Man is um, yeah. Whereas she to return to do the right thing. Yeah, the right thing is very much about is very specifically about all these different class and race interrelations between all these different people in this poor neighborhood in Brooklyn, a neighborhood that you sort of get the sense is very slightly on the edge of gentrification. I think, but yeah. not much but definitely still a very poor place. I think, yeah, exactly, very much on the edge. There's a scene with one, I think maybe the only white, no, well, no, there's the Italian-American family and then other than that, the only white character I think you see, oh, and obviously, of course, other than the cops, who that's what we're going to be talking about a lot later, 
Uh, they obviously play yeah. a very big We're definitely going to spoil positive... this film as well, as we always <laughs> do, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, we are going to spoil this film. Um, uh, yeah, the, the uh, one of the only white characters we see in the film is this guy um, going up to his... He, who gets into a kind of um, altercation with um, uh, some of the members of this mainly black uh, neighborhood and they kind of throw in the word gentrification and stuff there. Yeah, yeah. That, he that particular the word. He literally yeah, says the word. Yeah, yeah so, it, so as you say, fringes of gentrification possibly. Um, but but yeah, as you say, pre- predominantly quite a poor neighborhood. Um, yeah, so and it has a very elegant structure as well, this film. It, it takes the kind of the simple one day, one night kind of thing, but it has this lovely sort of roving, expansive feel despite that really short um time frame as ruben says uh it kind of really gets us into all of these character dynamics and all of these characters and all of these kind of really beautifully put together scenes of um of life in this very particular area of brooklyn um and what's kind of clever about that is that it has this lovely um kind of not too rushed pace where you kind of get this really expansive sense throughout the first act or two of the film and then in the last act you get this kind of really racing build up of the plot and uh, and yeah the kind of things hitting yeah. you over the head one by one uh, in this really clever way but in a way that doesn't at all feel forced so it, it's got this it, it's all held very well in tension basically the structure of the film um yeah we're raving about it because we've just seen it we're very excited basically <laughs> um yeah so i think basically why we wanted to talk about this film in the context of um the protests and police brutality and murder in America at the moment um, is because, so the kind of in the last act of the film, um, the central conflict is between this, uh, the Italian American pizzeria in the predominantly black neighborhood, which has been there for a really long time. But um, the sons of the main guy who owns the pizzeria um, kind of shade into racism, basically, yeah. and a kind of a, more compared to the guy who owns the pizzeria, who definitely is still kind of racist, but is it's really complicated and, and displayed in a really complicated way where there's kind of tensions in the community, but they haven't bubbled to the surface yet. There's tensions in the community, and it seems like the tensions are sort of outside this cat, this guy's actual character, which is very loving towards the community and stuff in lots of ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's but he but kind of all members of the community are caught up in this kind of being torn apart by that. So they're all, as we say, it's a poor community. Um, and, and what we get in this final act of the film is a, an altercation in the pizzeria, which leads to um, two men fighting the, 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 the main, the guy who owns the pizzeria um, and a black man uh, who's called Radio, Radio Rahim. I think. Radio Rahim. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're tussling on the ground, um, and then the police are called, and the police murder this unarmed black man, which is obviously very, very, very topical. So they, they, you know, restrain him, but use far too much force, um, and it's all very yeah. it, it upsetting. It's all very, it's shown on screen. It's all very visceral, um, and kind of bundle his body into into a car. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it's it's really like it's it's super super topical because then what happens afterwards are riots and protests in the streets actually specifically targeting because it was as a result of this fight with the with the guy who owned the pizzeria um there ends up being uh riots targeting that shop spike lee's character the main guy sort of immediately gets a bin and throws throws this bin through the window of the pizzeria which incites this riot i guess and so it's sort of showing this community turning in on itself and these police which are sort of almost 
don't speak very much and yeah. are not are not humanized in the way that every single he takes painfully makes every single character is so humanized yeah other than the police in the film and so there's this sort of juxtaposition where we see these people causing destruction in their own in their own, own neighborhood and on their own turf but there's also a sort of sense that the guy i think mookie maybe starts destroying the property so they don't start destroying the man as well his boss yeah, I think that is a really yeah. interesting possibility of the... Yeah, 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 that turns it on the property, which is obviously should be the target of riots as opposed to people yeah. private property rather than rather than um, murder, which is the tactics of the police. But still, I think um, Spike Lee's point is that the, the violence is misdirected that it should be against the police and yeah, instead it's course. against... It's turning inward on the community and it should, you know, this should... I think the idea is that it should be a class... Um, it could. It should be class warfare. I think that's exactly, what. I think yeah, that's yeah. what. And it should be turned onto the state and onto the institutions. But instead, it's turned onto each other and becomes something about about race, which is. And well, but Spike Lee is still definitely saying that the institution is racist. You know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the the Italian guy doesn't get murdered. The the black yeah. guy gets murdered. Yeah, definitely. But the fact is, these communities, this particular community that the film depicts, um, is is an impoverished community, uh, and they are being kind of ground down. Yeah. By the state, they were previously they had a sort of sense of collectivity, which has been divided and, and as you say, um, turned inwards. And I think, kind of watching this, we were reminded, and this is kind of a really difficult thing to think about in a way. I think I think we found it very difficult to think about. Um, we were we were reminded in a way about kind of the way that social media is functioning a little bit um, in this kind of sort of awful, but in a way kind of very hopeful time when people are taking real active physical um uh masses into their own hands in america in a in a in a, in a powerful way um but also people are just kind of absolutely black people are absolutely under massive threat from police violence of course in america so in this kind of very potent time um nonetheless we're kind of seeing a lot of I'd say division on the left really in, on social media um, and, and kind of not even that would be necessarily characterized as such. But I think so to, to, to contextualize some of the stuff that we're seeing, um, I think it's really, really fantastic that um, there's been such a kind of um, emphatic movement towards really keeping this this cause at the forefront of social media at the moment. I think that's actually a really impressive unified front. What's a little bit, I think, like worrying and maybe not so impressive is that the way that sort of social media works, this kind of copycat effect where people reshare and reshare posts means that what, say, me and Ruben have been seeing a lot of and we kind of we have been living for the last three years between two places. We've been living between Brighton, which is not at all a very racially diverse place. I'd say it's definitely very much predominantly white. Um, and uh, Cambridge University, which um, has a particularly isn't completely devoid of diversity, but particularly has a massive, massive problem with recruiting um, black students and black students are very underrepresented at Cambridge. Yeah. Um, uh, so kind of bearing in mind that we come from those two contexts, I think what we've seen is a lot of what one might call kind of virtue signaling going on in white communities on social media, um, where there's been a lot of emphasis on kind of um, almost a sort of public self-flagellation um, about sort of talking about um, uh, kind white of guilt and things white, like white guilt. Exactly. But I mean, I think it's really it's really difficult because the individuals sharing these posts 
are not the the enemy in any way at all. You know, the individuals sharing these posts, putting a lot of emphasis on what kind of white people can do, are trying to spread educational tools and to show people that they've been kind of learning and and, and, want, and want to learn about um, uh, communities different from theirs and communities that are being completely brutalized, uh, both in, in the UK and the US. Um, but I think what the, what the kind of bubble effect ends up being on social media is that, um, I mean, I for one, am seeing a whole coal ton of white kind of voices being very, very amplified, uh, talking a lot about what white people can do as individuals. And there doesn't really seem to be much emphasis on in the in the in the sort of little bubbles of social media in which I move um, on collective action and kind of what we can do to prop up what we can do as allies to kind of genuinely prop each other up because yeah and I think like I mean it's very clear Spike Lee's film really targets the institutions like we said like it's very like the ending is so anti-police in a way it's anti nothing else and it's the people that suffer at the end of the film and we've seen institutions corporate institutions mainly sort of co-opting this language of black um, empowerment and that sort of thing. Yeah, like Netflix posting Black Lives Matter and uh, yeah, stuff and, like that. And, and like, Amazon and yeah, all the places Spotify. like that. It's like sort of completely co-opting this discourse of black empowerment because they know they can get away with this sort of an empty discourse of racial empowerment, ignoring, attacking the institutions that are propping up the this actual systemic racism, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And because if corporate institutions under modern capitalism are propping up your movement and kind of you know shouting from the rooftops about your movement they surely do not really understand the the the, the roots or the meaning of the movements but i think this is particularly uh, relevant to, to, to conversations about racial violence in the us and the uk and across the world because institutional racism uh national international racism is so thoroughly bound up uh, in our world with the economy and with class dynamics yeah. and to elide over class when you talk about race in the US or the UK and to just talk about um, race as if it's this kind of single individual factor I think is kind of really really damaging yeah. and allows the movement to be co-opted. where this white guilt thing comes from where it turns it on the individual and doesn't combat any of the institutions at large. There's an interesting analogue to this in the film I think which is all of the um violent and stuff is sort of instigated by this guy who's upset at the Italian-American pizzeria because they're sort of the the picture on their wall their hall of fame doesn't have any black people in it in this sort of black neighborhood and Spike Lee I think is talking about this sort uh the, the the sort of meaninglessness of a politics of representation without institutional change behind that representation I think yeah absolutely because because the kind of the slightly the trivial performative thing of having a picture up or not in the film has no kind of sway in the real un- institutional yeah. underlying thing and of the in police fact, violence it is this representation politics that mean that this community turns in on itself and starts doing violence to other people within the community rather than looking towards institutional change. So he's directly attacking people yeah. that look to representational identity politics without looking towards structural change as well. And just to clarify, this is no by no means letting white people off scot-free. The film is deeply critical of the kind of racism, particularly of the sons, but also very much shows... Um, the Italian American owner of the pizza place to be to be racist, you know, like he's yeah, still does, yeah. he he, do, he does have bad bad kind of politics around, right? Like that's that's kind of undeniable. But um, I think 
what what Spike Lee is is showing is that kind of reality is a lot more complicated than it's just kind of come to bear on on our age, which cares a lot about the politics of representation as opposed to underlying material politics. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think he's he's showing that those kind of two things that can coexist. You know, people can be imperfect and flawed and really kind of and deserve to kind of be made to change but they're also not the kind of the agents of this powerful system which is oppressing everybody kind of in the film who is humanized and dealt with on human terms in class terms yeah it really is an incredibly clever film for getting across these ideas in quite a simple way as well yeah it's a way that is a very eloquent film. yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah it's it's really beautifully made um, I think we were going to talk a little bit actually on on that kind of subject. We were going to talk a little bit about how uh, the cinematography kind of aids this message, because which I think it does really, really yeah. beautifully. He's a very distinctive style, doesn't he, Spike Lee? He has yeah a really interesting style. I kind of we're kind of trying to think about like how would how would characterize it. Um, yeah, thinking about other Spike Lee films as well. Um, uh, but almost certain shots in this film are kind of almost like comic book like I'd say yeah. um, like the the Dutch angles that we get a lot of or we get um, under shots of people kind of looming up on our screen so you kind of like get almost a kind of character profile of different characters um, and then there's this character called she's either called mother sister or sister mother yeah I think sister mother uh, sister mother um, and the way she, she she kind of sits in her window throughout the film, looking out on the street, and the way that she's framed in her window is almost like a panel of a comic book. It's kind of at a slant, and then yeah, the window is really like another is, yeah. box that she's in. Um, so that's kind of one style, but there's also this kind of fantastic theatricality bubbling throughout the film. So um, a blend of kind of naturalism where you've got quite naturalistic dialogue and then bits that look almost like more like stage sets. So a good example of this yeah. would be the beginning of the film where you see um two women dancing for a really long time and that's how the credits kind of play but she, yeah the... i think it's his girlfriend played by oh. rosie, rosie perez isn't it not him you know the girlfriend of oh the girlfriend the of oh yeah, right yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's right I, yeah it, yeah is it yeah yeah i think it is yeah, yeah. and it's interesting talking about theatricality in spike lee films we missed not to mention his film which is probably his most theatrical film which is she rack oh yeah which is yeah. All, which is about chicago uh, and race. It's an adaptation of Lysistrata, Lysistrata which is a Greek comet, uh, Aristophanes. Aristophanes, which it's is about a sex comedy. strike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it transplants the, the sex strike um, into the modern into day. Into modern day Chicago, but it's all written in blank verse. Yeah, it's a really yeah. fantastically theatrical film, all written in blank verse, and it has these amazing. Um, kind of very large scale set pieces with fantastic yeah, costumes. But it really brings out what you're talking about, that sort of the theatricality of Spike Lee definitely yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think actually, particularly in this film, it works really well in tension with a kind of naturalism, which yeah, is very kind of yeah. striking. And it feels theatrical in the way that it's only, it, we, we sort of see these two streets over and over and over again. It's maybe even mainly just one street, actually, in Brooklyn. It's just this one block in Brooklyn. And I'm talking about she's got, um, do the right thing here. Uh, it's theatrical in this way that it, it's so sort of obviously community focused that he has these set characters that constantly reappear in this, like you say, naturalistic way where they sort mm. of appear without it, without it sort of seeming that they need to or that it's necessitated by any screenplay or anything. It seems yeah. like they're just all sort of functioning in this place, I guess. And yeah. it's, it's shown by the, by these repeated shots of these same buildings and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and kind of in that environment. So a, a film that I think the, that this film is very consciously um, referring to lots because it takes place in a very, very similar context context and it's about similar um sort of themes of conflict within neighborhoods and everything um is west side story 
uh, I, I think Spike Lee often feels like he's kind of teetering on the edge of a musical, which is a, a kind of again works a lot for Lysistrata. But it's, yeah. it's got this; it, it brings across this kind of fantastic, um, sort of yeah, really exciting atmosphere. Yeah. But it's um, going to be interesting seeing how Steven Spielberg, who is a much less radically political filmmaker than Spike Lee, adapts West Side Story now in this sort of rejuvenated conf- context of race conflict in america yeah he's bringing out his remake next year i think uh, what is he is he using the same races from the original i film? think so yeah is he? i think it's the guy from baby driver playing the main guy oh and it's a new a, a completely i think he went along with what the original film did as well and cast a complete unknown as maria Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I really love the original film. Actually, yeah. I saw it. It seems recently. like quite a strange film to remake. I think to me, to be honest, because it's so iconic. It's it like is. remaking Wizard of, the Wizard of Oz or something. People are just obsessed with remakes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, of course, it is in itself a remake of Romeo and Juliet. Of but, course, you know, yeah, <laughs> quite a radical one, I'd say. <laughs> and also um, a remake of a stage play. I think I assume, or did the film come first? I don't know. Actually, I actually don't know. The you film right, is the really film iconic. First, actually, I think maybe. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah. because the choreography and everything is very famous. Yeah, and it really is the film version people talk about, but I don't know, actually. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually don't know. Yeah. I don't know at all. But, um, yeah, no, but to thinking a little bit about West Side Story, I kind of a bit specifically in... Um, do the right thing that I was kind of reminded of with the, um, that reminded me of West Side Story um, is this bit where there's a kind of altercation between um, the guy who's later murdered in the in, in at the end of the film whose kind of gimmick is that he carries around this big like um, kind of like radio yeah. thing and, and play and boom plays box. it everywhere boombox exactly um, and he gets into the, a conflict with these uh, with this small kind of little gang of people sitting out on the street and they're playing their own music uh, and he kind of wins because they're both turning up each other's music against each other but the way that that oh, bit yeah. was shot where um, the camera kind of swings in these long shots, the camera swings between the two parties and you don't see what the other people are doing until it swings, what the other kind of side is doing until it swings back to them. It reminds me of um, the kind of bit at the beginning of West Side Story where I think similarly, I could be wrong about this, but I think similarly you've got these kind of long swinging shots between um what are they called the two gangs in west side story the jets and the something else yeah something like that yeah um but were one of them doing the kind of the famous clicking oh, the thing the america song is it no 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 right it's right at the beginning of the film oh yeah when they're walking down the street but the, with the clicking but it, it, it's it was a similar what i'm saying is it's shot in a similar way i yeah, think but it's yeah, it's yeah. also west side story is a film that brings kind of great theatricality and stylization into um, an environment usually depicted in a kind of very like quote unquote naturalistic day to day way, and Spike Lee's film is one that kind of really uh, yeah ties those two things. Yeah, to it's true that it's definitely together. lots of oblique references to West Side Story in in the way that it does the does the, yeah, yeah definitely the camera work. I think yeah, um, yeah. What else do we have to say about this film? It's just, it was such a we really really enjoyed this film a lot. I mean, I yeah. think. One of the most striking things about this film is the ending. Um, so the film ends not just on the riot, etc., etc., the burning shop, um, but the the actual kind of last little bit of the film, the screen goes dark, and then there's two quotes. One quote from 
um, Martin Luther King and one quote from Malcolm X, who and both Martin who have been Luther- a presence throughout the film. They've I think, been a, right? a presence reference throughout the film, um, yeah. especially by one character. But yeah, they they they, uh, they kind of come into the forefront because. Yeah. And Spike Lee's next film, which I've never seen, would go on to be a bi- biopic of Malcolm X. As yeah, well. which we're really keen to see. Yeah, I'm really I'm sure excited we'll see to see it. Actually. Yeah, um, but. Uh, Yes, yeah, sorry. Specifically, so that kind of the, the so the two quotes are about uh, violence and non-violence, and the Martin Luther King quote is saying, you know, violence tears communities apart, basically, and the Malcolm X quote is basically saying, I I don't condone violence per se. I wouldn't say that, but sometimes violence is necessary when you've yeah. been brutalized for this long. And rather than what was really clever about this film, I think, is that rather than kind of quote unquote pick a side, um, it lets those two. Yeah. Uh, kind of versions of reality hang in a dialectic yeah. together, and I think that what's really clever about that is that it's it's showing, um, it's showing us the kind of the choices that the protagonists and the people that the film um, represents, uh, and it and it's showing us that this is kind of the double blind for Black Americans, but especially poor Black Americans, um, and that, that there is no choice between violence and non-violence violence is both necessary and tears communities apart yeah. and there's no resolving that in this kind back. of neat way and it comes back to the question of the title doesn't it as well i guess of what is to do the right thing there is no doing the right thing i think is what yeah this, for the, the protagonist as well specifically yeah. the choice that the protagonist makes to throw a bin through the window and start the riot he takes the side of um his community in one sense um, but he's also, in a way, kind of stirring violence within his community, in within kind of bits of this community that weren't previously in conflict uh, until the events of the kind of the day of the film. Um, and that, but that, but that, whether he, if he had sided with um, uh, his employers, which is the Italian American family, um, he would it also have been betraying his community. So yeah. it's, it, it kind of shows, yeah, it, it, it's an ironic title. It's about there being no right thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it's just really powerful. And then we end also. So, so we it have is those really, two. Really powerful. If you haven't seen this film, definitely go and watch it. Definitely, it's it, it feels it's so, so relevant. I mean, it's sad how relevant it is yeah. now and just throughout the last thirty years since it was made, and also the last hundred years before that, or whatever as well. Yeah, and, and Spike Lee has actually made a very short video, um, uh, which he's tweeted uh, recently, um, interspersing. It could be upsetting, so the book content weren't warning for that, obviously. But um, I think it is upsetting. I mean, it is well, it yeah. is upsetting. It's not couldn't be. But what I'm saying yeah. is, like, I'll just quickly say, um, he's he's made a video which intersperses footage of um, a couple of the recent murders in the U.S. Um, by police with footage from his film to kind of make the point that this is 30 years on and things haven't changed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it it's 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 really it's really compelling. The end of the film, and so following those two quotes we fade into a picture that has again come up lots and lots throughout the film, which is a picture of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King together, um, smiling and like together in a picture. And I think it's again, really powerful because it kind of counteracts the racist narrative and the narrative that I think definitely even in UK schools, I was definitely taught this in school, um, that kind of Martin Luther King's way was the preferred one and that Malcolm X was violent and took things too far and all of this kind of thing. And it completely unseats that kind of racist opposition between these two great, uh, great leaders. Um, and yeah, and, and, and great voices of protest. Yeah, I'm think, trying to think what I was taught in school. I was definitely, yeah, we were definitely taught that sort of one was evil and one was good, basically. Yeah, yeah, we, and were, also we were taught that the Black Panthers were like awful. And also weirdly that, I think, Martin Luther King was the one who enacted, who got all the change through and the violence was a 
sort of you know was an obstacle to it Side in show. some way which is, is completely not true historically yeah. of, of course as well it was the it was both ac- it was the actions of both both um civil rights campaigns that led to the partial emancipation yeah 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 but so it, it's a really it's a really kind of powerful final image i think and it, it's one again coming back to this idea of kind of subtlety and ambiguity and not accepting like the black and white literally um i think it's something that we could kind of relate interestingly back to sort of social media responses that in a way like the our only way of of connecting um with what's happening in america at the moment because we're we're not physically there we can't participate in the riots or the protests in america itself of course although there is action going on in in the uk um uh, uh the way social media can kind of binarize things and you know this kind of call out thing of oh your your ally allyship is imperfect or your allyship is wrong or your activism is wrong um and i am which i'm seeing happening a lot again yeah it's really all we're seeing i think yeah between well because because of the all we're seeing on on social media sites where you mainly have uh you you mainly well yeah Yeah. where you mainly follow your friends rather than say Obviously, you would see this a little bit on places like Twitter, but on Twitter, obviously, you follow yeah, a wide yeah, variety yeah. of people, not just people in your community and lots of Americans. Yeah. Um, I think I think uh, what we're seeing is, yeah, that kind of uh, a sort of unfortunate focus in uh, the content, which I think not through any fault of the individual post, like the, the, the individuals posting. Um, ends up putting quite an emphasis on white people, which is just kind of really bizarre in this thing that should be about championing yeah. black voices and, and black people. Um, and specifically should be also about always talking about uh, class, poverty and disenfranchisement because those are just the kind of the really, really key things underpinning race relations yeah. in America. It's true that also everyone, nearly everyone shot by police people, policemen across the world are poor as well as almost always yeah of, uh you know racial diff- non-white origins i think yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and yeah and that lots of the stereotyping that the police do of is on class lines as well as race lines yeah absolutely but also i mean kind of th- th- there was a point in this film that you used the phrase white trash um like specifically um, but I think that that's a really interesting phrase in, in the American context, say, obviously it's used in the American context, it would be applicable, yeah. but um, because it kind of, it reveals, because that's, you know, a, a slur for like a white working class person in America, obviously, but um, it reveals the kind of, the, the implicit bias that you're just assumed, if you're not white, you're just assumed to be trash anyway, like yeah, that's exactly, how yeah. that's how the American class system works in the eyes of of yeah. institutions like the police um and that's the kind of that's the sort of intersection between class and race and it's kind of really horrific basically and, yeah definitely yeah. um so i think yeah what basically i this is by no means a, a stop posting about the atrocities happening in america and um the amazing work that's being d- done to fight them at the moment that's by no means the message of this podcast but i think it was just interesting to take a moment to pause to think about the way that um social media is working in this time because i i'm definitely i'm i'm like critiquing uh um sort of something that i'm part of because i've i've posted about this um on my instagram story or whatever you know i i wanted to kind of add my voice to the chorus or whatever but it's really difficult um when you're kind of thinking about issues like white privilege not to obfuscate like uh kind of black experience by just talking about kind of your own 
individual experience i think it's, yeah. it, i think it is more helpful to talk about kind of collectivity and what can be done structurally i.e listen to black voices but also listen to black voices calling for structural change Wait, don't just kind look of at videos of, of lots of the protests in america as i was doing this morning i was looking at videos from new orleans new orleans protesters who were calling for a general strike and things like that which yeah. is very much how we should be targeting our anger i think yeah yeah not yeah, towards yeah. sort of individualist the idea yeah yeah like of course so of course by all means read more books by black writers we should all be educating ourselves read more book watch more films by um black auteurs and directors um but don't kind of think that that that's the be all and end all that by kind of ticking a sort of diversity quota that you've done something meaningful because i think what we kind of really all need to be thinking at the moment is a lot less about ourselves and a lot more about what we can do collectively um and and in help of of communities internationally who are suffering in this way uh and what we can do materially because kind of when the time comes um if 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 a big change does come if we are able to participate in a movement you know we don't kind of want to be quibbling about identity politics on our phones we want to be out there helping in a material way and i think that that's the, that's the bottom line really yeah that's definitely the Just bottom line of doing the right thing as well and that maybe is the only right thing to do okay <laughs> thanks very much for listening thank you all for listening yeah and i ain't got no home in this world anymore Brothers and my sisters are stranded on this road, a hot and dusty road that a million feet have trod. Rich man took my home and drove me from my door, and I ain't got no home in this world anymore.